You're listening to Star Trek, the Undiscovered Podcast. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us once again. Remember the last show? I said wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're going to have another bonus show real soon. Well, here it is. And guess who's with me once again? The incomparable Dan Martin. What's up, Dan? Oh, man. I am literally, not figuratively, literally living the dream I dreamt as a seven-year-old boy with my Star Trek jammies. Yep, and we've got a very special guest, man, so this is going to be an awesome show. We sure do. The Lost Starship, which you went to film, I want to say, in February, correct? Yep. Yeah, Yeah, we had just started the podcast. It was amazing, and then you were out in Kingsland, Georgia, and you interviewed Ray Tessie. Months later, we had director Vic Bagnana on the show, but now we have, and the Lost Starship is great. I saw it exceeded my expectations well the special guest that dan just spoke of that we have tonight is the writer and producer of the lost starship a star trek fan film which we'll tell you how to see it's it's amazing brian w peterson is here with us tonight how you doing brian welcome thank you thank you very much and by the way uh good description of dan incomparable very good description. <laughs> yeah no that, i Absolutely. think he said incompetent completely incorrectly Yes, that's better than incontinent. (laughs) Oh, Dan Martin. If only you saw yourself as we all see you. So, Brian, before we talk about the film, the one thing that we ask every guest is your Star Trek history. What is your history with Star Trek? How you got into the show? Not as far back as most people. I uh, saw the movies. When, when I was young, uh, what, uh, the first move, I remember seeing the first movie, uh, was it 1979, if I recall? That's correct. Yeah. And, but I re- remember Wrath of Khan was where I really started to enjoy it. And, uh, I had a cousin tell me, you got to see Space Seed. So somehow or another, I don't remember how, because this was the VHS days, but I, uh, caught Space Seed, then saw Wrath of Khan. And I was hooked from there, but what really uh, changed everything is I married a Trekkie. And my wife, Mindy, is uh, a big, big Trekkie, has been uh, the original series. She loved it. She had seen them all. She recorded them off the television, you know, a long time ago. And so for a long time, she was way, way more a Trekkie than me. So you're, you're a Trek fan. You're watching it for years. How did you get involved in fan films? Was um, The Lost Starship the first one you ever did? Did you act in them first, write them, produce them? No, this is, this is the first with a fan film. Once upon a time, I wrote and was involved with the production of a 30-minute short uh, that was a straight drama. We, we shot that when I lived out in California. Um, no, what happened was, in, in brief, is 
we met Vic Manana. I wanted him to uh, do my audiobooks, which he has now done two of my audiobooks. And he was saying, oh, you got to come to the studio. Next thing led to another. Next thing you know, uh, we're at um, Fan Appreciation Weekend, and some of our newfound friends were, knew I'm, I'm an author and said, uh, you've got to write an episode, or you know, you've got to write a short. So I resisted until I kept thinking about it and kept thinking about it. And the next thing you know, I um, wrote it, and here we are. And you've written and, uh, how many books? I have five published novels. Uh, two sci-fis, uh, the, the most recent one is the first book of a trilogy, two psychological thrillers, and then one that's a novel, but it's uh, a true story about my family during the Great Depression and World War II. So po five published, and I'm working on the second book of a trilogy, sci-fi trilogy right now. And that would be the second one yeah. that follows Nova Quadrant? Yeah, that's what I'm working on now, is the second book of the Nova Qu Quadrant. Oh, trilogy. man, I can't wait to hear that one. Well, I, of course, don't want to give any spoilers away for this because this to give away a spoiler of this, I just everybody watch this, this Lost Starship. Everybody's got to see it. What was it like uh, filming this? You both can talk about that now as Dan was you lived your dream. <laughs> I tell you what it is. It is so true. I mean, one of the most amazing things for me, I went down to Kingsland after meeting Vic as well. And I took all these photographs of myself on the Enterprise. I love Constitution class starships. And I looked at those pictures and I'm like, oh my God, me in a 5X t-shirt wandering around. I just felt awful about it. So I talked with my wife, changed my insurance and lost over 200 pounds and bought a uniform. And, you know, Vic saw all of the work that I put into wanting to take pictures there and stuff like that. And Brian, I think, was it you or Mindy said, oh, we should have Dan do a walk on. And then Vic was casting it and he invited me to be the chief engineer. Yeah, he he wanted as a reward for your hard work for you to be in the film. So I contacted you and said, hey you're going to be an extra and dan about lost it he went crazy over the moon excited and then i talked to vic later and he said no no he says uh uh he should be the engineer i said if he can act fine with me and dan you did a great job i gotta tell you it was the Absolutely. most fun i think i've ever ever had i mean ever <laughs> i just can't get over how awesome being a part of that was the camaraderie between the cast the the hanging out afterward i mean we talked in our interview with vic about the camaraderie that the cast of star trek continues had and we had a very similar dynamic going out to dinner afterwards spending time with each other after the filming after the shooting you know because it's video nowadays not film and uh, singing karaoke with one another. Just a magnificent week of absolutely fantastic production and one of the highest joys ever. That and riding in a B-25 Mitchell. Before we shot, Josh Irwin and I were talking on the phone and we both agreed that these, these um, productions, they either bomb, everything goes wrong, you have all kinds of problems, there's a discord in the, uh, with the cast, 
or the crew or whatever, or they go great. Well, this went great. This was, uh, I'm, this was very, uh, surprisingly and not because of the people. I mean, because the way people are in general, it was surprisingly, um, low drama and that's what you want. And everybody was working in the right direction. Everybody was working together. Everybody was helping each other. Uh, it, it really went well uh, uh, during the production in February. I was really happy about that. Also very impressive, besides you, Dan Martin, was the performances of the, the actor who played the captain and the actress who played the first officer. How were they cast, Brian? Um, Vic cast. Vic is uh, friends with Jeff Johnson, who is the uh, captain. And I've gotten to know Jeff. Jeff's a great guy. And then he knew Allison and uh, ran her by me and said, hey, what do you think? I said, look, all I care about is if these folks can act. I, I don't care. Uh, I just want people who can act. And he was confident she could. So I said, great. And uh, so Vic came up with much of the cast. And, you know, on a smaller operation like this, you're not going to have a casting director. And so, uh, you know, we throw some names out there from time to time. But uh, Vic got a, a number of those people. I got to say, uh, Skip Morris, John D. Powell, Grace D. Flores, Arbolet, out of this world. So fun. And watching Skip and Grace play Coolidge and Matthewson has to be one of the highlights of the production. Those two were magnificent together. And they really, really just developed a chemistry, a friendship. And uh, they watched the, in fact, they watched the uh, uh, premiere of it in, in Dallas. They got a big kick out of it and they were harassing each other. And, uh, you know, it's just, they've just developed this great friendship that extended beyond those characters. And it was a, a lot of fun to watch because, Gracie is just a little ball of energy. And her folks were in it, too. They're some of the extras. Yep. The, the thing about this film is all I can tell everyone, it's great. It's, it's, it's a short 25-minute film. And the whole I, I can't say anything about it because the whole thing is you've got to see it to believe it. Otherwise, it's a spoiler. That's how exciting it is, and that's how amazing it is. It is, and crafted so well. You know what it reminded me of, because I've watched Star Trek Continues and the original series, as if it was, you know, when they started doing Discovery, they did those short treks. That's kind of that sister show where they did 30-minute yeah. episodes connected to Discovery. Well, this was like uh, Vic's Kirk's Enterprise when they said the Enterprise was in range already. Oh, a little spoiler, but the Enterprise, you will hear... That it is the same universe, and that is what gave me the sense of it was like a Star Trek short trek, um, to me, and that was very fun. To yeah. me, watching it, seeing it in it's a I'll have there's one spoiler. It's widescreen, so seeing it right. what is effectively vintage style TOS in a sixteen by nine cinematic scope, my wide full TV. Wow, that's beautiful. It's gorgeous, and the lighting. Uh, I, I mean, I was there as it's happening, and I'm thinking, you know, lighting looks pretty sweet. But when you see it processed and edited together, and it is stunningly gorgeous. I mean, I just want to sit there taking pictures of my TV like I'm fanboying the, th the thing that I'm actually in. 
I'm so oh, absolutely. Fun. Absolutely. It was because we never got the start, the, the TOS era. We never got spinoffs of that. We got the 24th century bunch of the next generation and DS9 and Voyager all in that same universe. But this really brought me back to the 60s era. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is feasibly going on when Kirk is on his five year mission. Absolutely. Yeah. I and it's a lot of fun. It. It's a lot of fun. So this is all about the Lost Starship. Brian, tell folks how to find the film. Well, first of all, the right now it's getting so many views that if you just go to YouTube and type The Lost Starship, it will pull up. I, earlier on, I was typing um, The Lost Starship Avalon Universe or Lost Starship Neutral Zone Studios, but uh, now you don't even have to do that. It's, uh, it's in, the first, in the first 48 hours, it had close to 20,000 views, and um, the, I don't know, the comments were like, 250 with only about five negative and you know there's going to be a little bit of that no big deal but the the comments were effusive it was fun to read the comments especially being the writer it was uh i mean it feels good and you know when you write a book and you publish it and someone buys it maybe they'll get to it in a month maybe they'll get to it in a year and then when they do it takes a while so you're not there you're not hearing back quickly uh, and you'll get a review and, uh, you know, you hope it's good. And usually it is. And, and you go, okay, well, great. They like that. This is, is closer to instant gratification. You know, I, when I send an email blast out to the, you know, over 600 people on my mailing list, uh, you know, I, I, I receive responses pretty quickly. And so it, it's a good feeling. And so something that started in a uh, restaurant in Georgia over chit chat to be actually filming it and then going through the, all the post-production and then the debut finally comes. It's uh, this has been a, an interesting little journey when you consider this is just the short quote unquote, just okay. But I wanted to do some, I wanted to make sure we did something that was different. I didn't want to do something. In fact, there was a, somebody made a suggestion in the comments that we could have done X. Well, that's something that had already been done. I did not want, to make this, oh, yeah, that was a lot like this episode. No, this isn't like an episode. It's unique. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fresh story. And that's what I was going for. That's the main thing to me is when, when I, whether it's novels or screenplays, I don't want it to be like something else. I want it to be its own unique story that you remember. And what I thought was really cool is how the characters were unique as well. I mean, you've got completely different types of people granted when jeff walked into the studio i looked at him and i'm like well this man is clearly the captain that's that's the one thing that's like other star trek you've got an incredibly handsome dude as your captain but you've got an incredibly handsome cast for the doctor for the whole cast is great looking and they all can act and i mean i'm not great looking but the rest of the cast is great looking and they all can act. And it was just magnificent to be in the presence of such pros doing something on a volunteer level who are doing it because they love it. And that kind of feeling took me back to like high school plays or community theater, the joy of creation for creation's sake. Everyone there was there because they love it. 
and it was just magnificent. I think this Star Trek uh, thing is going to be big. What do you guys think? Um, oh, yeah, yeah it's that be was more than just a three run, three year run on uh, yeah. 1960s TV. It's gonna, it's gonna last. Well, well, that was one of the things. It was kind of like when something, when you really have the freedom, because you know, Star Trek TOS had the limitations of the network. Well, this was like you are watching something of that era, but as if cable or streaming existed in the '60s, and you were able to do something that you couldn't do on network television. And that I really appreciate. I really appreciate it, Brian, how different it was, but yet still feels like Star Trek, and you know that you're in the Star Trek universe. But to so clarify, Brian, for, yeah. but to clarify for our listeners, though, when you say like cable and streaming, it doesn't mean that this is loaded with f bombs or anything like that. No, no, no. It, right, of it's course. It's got that right. feeling, that heart of 1960s Star Trek, but it's got a story that is, you know, it's different and it's wild yeah. and it's like whoa and i mean so much of it is just startling you've got great performance i mentioned many of them great performance by dave arlen who folks may have seen on a tv before with lisa welchel she featured dave arlen on her tv show which is uh, about folks who are collectors it's called the collector's call and dave was on that show because of his love for Star Trek. And so to have him in here as well was fantastic. But uh, Brian, you need to tell our listeners about the people who made the visuals. Because when I looked at this, the ship is stunningly gorgeous. The going over plant, every visual was out of this world to uh, use a spacefaring phrase. Yeah, we uh, we found, I say we, actually, Ray Tessie did, uh, it might have been Josh, uh, one of them, either Josh or, or Ray, I should have confirmed beforehand, found uh, Keith Hamilton, and Keith did a fantastic job, and we hadn't, we hadn't worked with him, and, well, I say we, I hadn't at all, but uh, uh, NutriZone Studios hadn't worked with him, and when we saw his work, we were thrilled. Uh, it, in fact, I was, I watched it, um, yesterday on a bigger screen and you really could appreciate the, the effects. And, uh, I, I loved Keith's effects. He kept sending us still photos or just brief six to 10 second, uh, uh, um, action scenes and they were terrific. And I was going, this looks awesome. This looks like, um, you know, it's theater quality. And that's what we wanted. You know, I, I will say this, it's slightly different direction than your question, but a short is very difficult to get across a good story because it's short. And you don't get the character development. Uh, you feel rushed. Uh, the story, you know, a story needs time to develop too, not just the characters. And that was the challenge. And I've seen plenty of shorts through the years. And, and you're always thinking the same thing, if it's good. Well, that was good for a short. I just watched a short uh, yesterday. That, I, that, was, that was exactly what I said when I got done. And that is, well, that was good for a short because of limitations of, of how much you can accomplish. And I, I think what we pulled off with the Lost Starship was dropping that last part. It's not just good for a short. It's good. 
and that the, the credit, you know, is spread out, you know, from um, Vic and Josh, uh, Vic Mignano, Josh Irwin, to Keith Hamilton. It's, I mean, down to the extras walking in the background, given the feel that this is a crowded, busy starship in action. Oh, Every yeah, Julie, Tatiana, all of them. Yes, and we also had some people on our crew, um, Sam Rooks, who, is, who had quite a career, um, and uh, Jim Bray, who uh, was our prosthetics and makeup guy. And we had a number of people behind the scenes that were really talented, and, and they had uh, solid resumes in the industry. And that was, that was exciting, too, to, to have people like that. I, when I read Jim Bray's uh, resume, I about fell over. I mean, the guy's accomplished. I would love to have Jim Bray do my wife makeup wise one time for for photos on the uh, the ship again. Years ago, yeah. I took my wife there and we had pictures of her with ears and I know Jim's a great ears guy and I'd love to have him take have him do her makeup and get pictures of Kathy and me now in like legit uniforms and stuff like that cuz that guy, he can do makeup like nobody's business. He even gave me eyebrows because I, I barely have any eyebrows at all. <laughs> and I said to him um, every time before yeah. we shot, I'm like, make sure I'm not sweating. Make sure I have eyebrows. Uh, that brings me to my final question. Um, that in Neutral Zone Studios, is that set, the same set they used for Star Trek Continues? Is it taken down and rebuilt yeah. or... That's yeah. No, they they've left it in okay. place. And in fact, uh, because they have to pay rent, you know, they're always, you know, uh, working to make sure they have the funds to keep it going. Because, yes, this is the uh, set they built for STC and uh, it, it's great. Now, there there are some sets that they built previously and they only used once and, you know, they may have gotten rid of those. But as far as, as the bridge and, and um, um, engineering, et cetera, that, that's all there that it was never changed. That they have kept it, kept it up. Engineering is gorgeous. I love the full high ceiling, the way it's built. Folks should definitely look on YouTube for some of the walkthroughs hosted by Vic or by Ray so that you can get a feel of what this place looks like inside because it's breathtaking, but I can't recommend enough just going down there and seeing it for yourself because it's beautiful. And uh, make sure you, uh, you know, you leave a donation because it is all free. It's all volunteer and uh, it's expensive to keep up something that gorgeous. Absolutely. As Ray Tessie said when he was on the show. Yeah, they want everyone that's a Star Trek fan to be able to go see it. Um, and there's fan appreciation weekends. They could go to neutralzonestudios.com and look that up. Yeah. But Brian's books, how do we get your books? I know I've read, you know, physical copies and I've listened to audio copies, but tell our listeners how folks can get your stuff because not only does this guy write, you know, The Lost Starship, which is a killer cool story, but he's got some other killer cool stories too and some, some uh, nonfiction as well. Yeah, the, uh, the best way is to go to writtenbybwp.com. That's writtenbybwp.com. You can find me at Twitter with the same, at writtenbybwp. And my Facebook page as well is uh, writtenbybwp. Um, you, you know, you can go to Amazon 
and just type in their books, Brian W. Peterson, but there are a couple of them you uh, wouldn't find there. So that's why the easiest way is to go through my website, find the book you want and uh, click and it will take you to that site. But the Nova Quadrant, tell folks, get folks a little bit excited about that because that's a cool story. The Nova Quadrant is set in another part of the galaxy and a star is about to go supernova. The story picks up after most of that quadrant has been emptied. People flee for their lives. The remaining uh, folks are either there to help everyone else get out or to steal what was left behind in haste. So our main characters are a group of bandits, and they come to the realization that they're not going to make it back to civilization without being arrested. So they figure, okay, we'll switch sides and help law enforcement. But it's not that easy. Law enforcement doesn't trust them. And now the other bandits hate them because they've switched sides. So they're trying to figure out how they're going to keep their loot. They're trying to figure out how to stay alive and avoid their enemies. But their enemies are everyone in the Nova Quadrant. It's really cool. I, I listen to it back and forth when I'm driving to work. I got it hooked into the car. It's good stuff. And the print I version, that. I mean, it's great, too. You, however you enjoy reading a book, whether it be audiobook or whether it be, you know, the old-fashioned way, because you love the smell of a fresh page, you know, it's, it's a great way to enjoy it. And how about films for you, Brian? Any other films coming up? Any plans? Um, at the moment, moment, no. I'm talking to Josh about something. Uh, we'll see. But uh, right now, my focus is uh, I'm working with a film producer to get my family story, Paper Doll, uh, made into an eight-part streaming series. And... I mean, you know, we're talking real budget here, and that would be awesome to uh, if I were able to uh, be able to do that. Because Paper Doll is about my family during the Great Depression and World War II, and I read hundreds of letters between family members. I interviewed people. I went to military reunions. I did a lot of research, and then I lifted a letter, uh, help with the dialogue, and. It's uh, my, a lot of things, interesting things happen to my family. And so Paper Doll is something that I'm very proud of. And if I were able to get that into a, a streaming series, that would be it. I mean, that, that, would, that would pretty much launch me in, into where I need to be, where I want to be, and where I've you know, tried for so many years to get. Now, wasn't your grandfather, I think you were saying, stationed in Richmond, California during World War II? He wasn't stationed. He couldn't get into the military because of his uh, knees. And so he was a shipbuilder in Richmond. And that's funny because Star Trek, you remember, um, Starfleet's headquartered in San Francisco. And the, uh, the Enterprise shows that it was built in San Francisco. Well, I changed it. You'll see the plaque at the beginning of the, uh, of the movie. I changed that to Richmond because that, uh, there are actual uh, ships being, being built in Richmond. And uh, at least there, w there was previously. And so I, I changed that and, and that plaque. It's just a short little deal. Normally it says San Francisco. Um, one, of, one of my grandfather's brothers went to Pacific Theater. He was at Okinawa and Leyte. And the other brother was, on, was in the European Theater. And he was in a uh, B-24 called Paper Doll. Excellent. I love how so many of the Easter eggs in The Lost Starship tie into your family like the captain's last name it's it's beautiful is there anything 
where my character's name come came from that I don't know about? No, actually, in, in your case, no. Uh, and I don't usually do first name, last name together. I would never write Medicare and Martin. I might have a Dan and I might have a last name Martin, but I did make an exception with the doc. Um, Dr. Joey Shepard, well, Joey Shepard was a friend of mine who was killed at a young age. And uh, I just just felt like putting, putting his first, name, first and last name in there. Uh, but yeah, uh, Hovis, Captain Hovis, a, a family name of my wife's. Um, I, uh, oh, the communications officer, I made her last name Nichols, just as homage to um, Michelle Nichols. Um, one of the ships mentioned is the Viking. Well, I'm Scandinavian on uh, my father's side. And of course, the ship is the Cherokee. And I'm Cherokee Indian on my mother's side. So yeah, I just had a lot of fun with that. I did a little more of that than normal, I will say, in the Lost Starship. It turned out magnificently. Brian, it's thank you so much for being on here. Brian W. Peterson, ladies and gentlemen. Greg? Thank you, Brian. It's the Lost Starship on YouTube. Something to announce, folks, and bear with me as I am reading this, but hey, at least I can admit it. New to announce, we now accept listener donations here on Star Trek The Undiscovered Podcast. These are donations just to keep the lights on, so to speak, so that we can keep bringing you this show. So we're kind of making like PBS uh, for this podcast. You know, we have expenses, so all we ask is consider donating a dollar, $5, or $10 a month and become one of our sponsors. As we gather more sponsors, we will be offering special gifts to our donors, uh, special donor-only episodes, and you get an IMDb credit, and some people want one of those. We already we already want to say a big thank you to longtime listeners, friends, and past guests of our show, Robert Youngren and Holly McMiller, for being our first donors as of now of this episode's recording time. So thank you, Robert and Holly. And if you want to be like Robert and Holly and donate to us, all you got to do is go to the liner notes of this podcast. The link to the donation is right there in the description of the podcast. So we are having a blast bringing you these post-season one and pre-season two bonus shows. Keep an eye on all of the places where you can find us for the next bonus show coming up. How do you keep informed of that? Well, I'm going to hand it back over to Dan Martin where he can tell you where you can find the team and all of our social media stuff. So I'm going to hand it back over to Dan. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to Star Trek The Undiscovered Podcast. Find our team members, Greg Vorob, on Facebook, G-R-E-G-V-O-R-O-B, on YouTube at Greg Vorob, on Twitter at Greg underscore Vorob. Also, check out MSV Podcast Presents The Fake and the Whimsy. Daniel Hawley on Facebook, H-U-L-L-E-Y, and on Twitter at bland underscore dull underscore don't. Ken Radner on Facebook, K-E-N-R-A-D-N-E-R. And me, Dan Martin, at BasemanDanMartin3700 on YouTube. And you can also join me on WHMI.com weeknights, 7 p.m. to 10 Eastern Time, and Saturday afternoons, 3 p.m. to 7 Eastern Time. Livingston County's own Classic Hits. Find this podcast on Facebook at the groups Star Trek Fans United and Star Trek The Undiscovered Podcast. Like us on Facebook at Star Trek The Undiscovered Podcast. 
on Twitter at STTU Podcast. Or shoot us an email to sttupodcast at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening to Star Trek The Undiscovered Podcast. And until next time, live long and prosper. <laughs>